You're listening to MuniCast, the podcast that discusses municipal leadership. Season four of MuniCast is brought to you by SaskTel's innovation and collaboration team. SaskTel can help you sort through the noise to create solutions that add value quickly, whether it's reducing your environmental footprint, driving investment, community development, or just saving money. Contact your SaskTel account manager to find out more. MuniCast is hosted by SUMA, the voice of Saskatchewan's hometowns. I'm Stephanie, SUMA's Education and Events Coordinator, and in Season 4 of MuniCast, we are tuning in to the 2023 SUMA Convention and Trade Show and speaking to some of the key participants. On this episode, we will be discussing the Wellbeing and Policy Project. The Wellbeing and Policy Project is a product of a research partnership between a University of Regina researcher, Irina Kovrenkov, the Executive Director of the Community Initiatives Fund, Tracy Mann, and the CEO of Heritage Saskatchewan, Ingrid Kazakoff. This project is funded by Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council Partnership Engage Grant. Through a province-wide survey, municipalities were asked about mental health, culture, municipal economics, and environmental well-being, and how these important themes fit in with community planning and budgeting. During the 2023 SUMA Convention, Delegates had the opportunity to tune in and discover the lessons learned through this research on well-being initiatives in Saskatchewan municipalities during the Community Well-Being and Policy Education session that was presented by Irina, Tracy, and some of their colleagues. Welcome, Irina, Tracy, and Ingrid. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. This is exciting. We were honored to have you provide an education session during the 2023 SUMA convention on your findings from the recent municipal well-being survey, the Saskatchewan Wellbeing Index, and communities that have begun incorporating well-being into their policy. Well-being economy. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Well, it's an economy that looks at more than economics. Um, there is actually a, a definition that's been put forward by the, the Wellbeing Alliance. Uh, which is an economy designed to serve people and planet, not the other way around. In a well-being economy, the rules, norms, and incentives are set up to deliver quality of life and flourishing for all people in harmony with their environment. So uh, it really is just taking a broader holistic view of well-being um, that includes but is goes well beyond economic measures. It's really looking beyond kind of the GDP um, as well, right? So we're so... Um, focused on, you know, what's the GDP of the country, even even the latest hike of the rates um, that the Bank of Canada has announced yesterday, you know, one of the things that they're looking at is, well, how is the economy doing in terms of the GDP, right, that it's, um, you know, that the Bank of Canada did not expect the economy to bounce back so quickly. But that's very limiting, right? We're not, and and it, and yet we're talking about how people can't afford their mortgage payment because of the Bank of Canada height. So it's really looking beyond kind of those measures that are showing us, well, things are doing like we're doing really well as a country or as a province, but in terms of the economic measures. But things are really tricky when it comes to right housing and infrastructure, food insecurity. Right? There's so many things, mental health. There's so many things that are occurring that are not visible if you just look at the GDP or kind of economic indicators. This isn't anything that that, that we've just observed. Economists themselves have, ever, have have observed this and said that when if we have a predominant focus on 
GDP that we may be missing out on what else is going on. And the evidence is there that definitely there's a gap that as GDP rises, often other quality of life indicators do not. So are we uh, as a as a country or as a uh, as municipalities, et cetera, really doing as well, despite the fact that, yes, the the uh, the the GDP is rising. So again, it's looking at all of this more holistically and and indicating that um, economics does have a, f- a factor to play in all of this, but it needs to be measured against all of these other factors as well or indicators. So that's really interesting. There's been that look in kind of one area and that need for a holistic outlook sounds like it, it's very important going forward. Why do you think that it's important for municipalities to play a central role in community well-being? A lot of it has to do with the fact that everything happens at that municipal or grassroots level. I I believe that uh, what happens at the level of community, your elected council members, for example, hear more about it from their citizens. Um, And and they are connected because they live in those communities. They see what's happening. They're affected by it. And so everything really does play itself out at that community level. And so they're probably the ones that potentially could be the most flexible to address some of that, but also at the same time are impacted by it, much more so than I think we are at, at that, that higher level. And, and I absolutely agree. And, you know, if we if we kind of look at the textbook uh, sort of role of municipalities, um, they are the government closest to people. Right. Maybe they're not. I mean, they're not a constitutional level of government. Right. But they are still um, the government that's closest to people. They they know what's happening at that level. Right. And and maybe in the cities like Regina or Saskatoon or Muzja, you know, those bigger kind of urban centers, uh, citizens might feel a little more um, distant from government. But if you look at smaller communities, you know where your mayor lives, you know where your I don't know, VP um of finance or, you know, whatever the governance structure is, you know what those people you, um, you know, you see them at church, you probably have, you know, kids that go to school with them. So ultimately, um, you know, they are aware of community needs. They're aware of what citizens are um, requiring, uh, the challenges that they're facing. And so um, they do have the role to play in this and they have a central role to play in this. And I hope municipalities feel that they have the capacity and the the leadership that they can bring to the table. I think that municipalities are also much more aware of all the other organizations that are within their communities, too, that might be able to um, assist them as they look at uh, at things more holistically. Um, The role of nonprofits, the role of business, the role of, of everyone within a community. And I think particularly, too, in communities where we're you're faced with so many of these issues all at once, it's it's the need to have to work together with other um, other municipalities within your area. I think that's much more evident. So there are uh, opportunities, I think, to, to look at things much more holistically, which includes looking to see what your neighbor is doing down, down the road and how can we work together. You highlighted some really important points there about even just how close knit you are to your mayor and council when you're living in some of the smaller urban municipalities like villages, resort villages, towns, there's a good chance that, yeah, you do know where they live or you've worked with them or you know their family or there is at least some sort of connection there. And even when you do get to some of the bigger urban centers like Regina or Saskatoon or Moose Jaw, it's not 
impossible to bump into your mayor or counselors at the grocery store, things like that. So it is a lot more close knit than when we're looking at provincial or federal governments. Something that was mentioned several times throughout your presentation at convention was that in Saskatchewan, we are experiencing a gap between economic growth and well-being growth. And this was something that was mentioned just shortly before in this podcast as well. Do you expect that this trend of a widening gap will continue? I, I do believe that if we solely look at things from a GDP perspective, that the gap will continue because there is evidence already demonstrating that and it isn't um it doesn't change. I, I think the, the gap continues to widen. Um, and, and why I believe that the the message that, that was presented at the convention resonated with people uh, at that municipal level because they're seeing that, they're, they're seeing those other indicators that, that define quality of life in their communities, needing that attention and trying to find a way to, to look at this from, from different perspectives. And that, that comes at a time where, yes, Saskatchewan's economic growth is on the rise. Referencing the recent Bank of Canada interest rate hike and just kind of looking at all the news articles around it, all the conversations that are happening on the media, we're just talking about kind of the economics, right? And um, Or talking about how the economics are going to be affecting people, but, but not really talking about what to do to help people out in, in the cases of right kind of rising housing debt. So if we just look at only economics and not consider that other important piece, which is the well-being, right? Which is a holistic um, measure of all of these uh, indicators, you know, starting from right, your quality of life, education, your housing, your, uh, your neighborhood, your community, um, all of those elements, then yes, it'll continue to widen. So we really have to step up to see how those important elements that we tend, you know, we live kind of in and with um, if we don't begin to address that element, then the then the gap will continue to expand. At convention, you had attendees share their ideas for some first steps towards adopting a well-being approach in their municipalities. And some of the responses were having uh, a planning meeting, creating a policy, strategy, communications, consultation, et cetera. There's so many places that people can start. What would you suggest are the top three considerations for municipalities when developing a well-being approach for their community planning? Well, I think one step certainly would be to um, understand their community and what is it that community members are saying is important to them. Um, and then how does a municipality incorporate those priorities into their larger planning and budgeting processes? We really encourage data-driven decision-making. And so, uh, I and we know that data at a local level is sometimes hard to gather, but um, for municipalities to really understand uh, both what is important, but then how do they actually track progress on that as well. And so identifying indicators that are relevant to community priorities and then tracking those over a period of time. And I think building on that too, that uh, it's really about having those value-based discussions with your community to know what what are those important uh, indicators that that define well-being for, for your community. And again, th this doesn't mean that you don't need resources to do this. We do need resources. However, I think all of us are, are acknowledging in communities that uh, sometimes those resources seem to be in, in short supply. So one, one important thing to, to remember about all of this is to 
that when when one comes together and looks at this more holistically, that the resources might be there by working together with business, with with the nonprofits, with municipal government. So it's it's working together, finding out who your allies are, and um, and and going from there. And again, that might be looking to your neighboring community so that you acknowledge that this is something that is going to require collaboration and uh, um, the, 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 the efforts of many within community to, to reach that common goal of well-being for, for your community as you define it. And I, I think that's critical to this, this whole exercise. So. And just building on what Tracy and Ingrid have said and something that we've discussed uh, amongst ourselves and um, is, is having a bit of that uh, lens kind of review. So you're looking at your community planning from a different perspective where you're considering the well-being kind of lens overall, uh, maybe having kind of that bigger picture vision of what is the community wishing to accomplish. Across the province, SASTEL is engaged with many different municipal organizations who seek to innovate. Contact your SASTEL account manager to learn more about some of these initiatives and how they can help your municipality today. Sometimes we kind of look at, we only have these resources and or, or kind of uh, available financial resources. And so then we tend to look at the costs and then we try to divide the costs to kind of redistribute the costs versus looking at the vision of the well-being and then trying to see how these costs can address um, the challenges or kind of the, the problems that exist. So it's the, the vision, the lens is, is what I think will drive eventually um, kind of addressing the problems that the community might be having. And I think too, again, building on this, it's the interconnectivity of what those values are or the concerns that might be in community. So if you've got concerns around mental health, um, the just as an example, that 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 if we address um, issues or uh, opportunities around leisure and culture, can help to address uh, mental health issues, which then can lead to healthier life, uh, lifestyles. Like everything is interconnected, and we need to see that there's value that that all of those qualities, those values that, that a community sees as being important come together and are interconnected and can, can assist uh, all over the place. So if you've got an, if you've got issues within healthcare, you probably have similar issues in education, et cetera, but there are um, the interconnectivity and the solutions come from all of this going across those, those sectoral issues. And, and just to build on that really quickly, and that connects to what Tracy had said, sort of the very first point is understanding the community. So if you understand your community, right, because the issues are going to be different across communities. And so if you understand your community, you would know that maybe you do need to build a community hall because that'll address, you know, certain certain elements of mental health and promote kind of well-being that way. Whereas in a different community, it might be, I don't know, building a hockey rink because, um, you see youth are disengaged, perhaps, or, you know, so it's really understanding the, the community, really having maybe those data-driven decision-making pieces, but that could come from consultations or conversations, right? And so it's it's all kind of interconnected. It, 
I think it requires a, a longer term view as well, because often we know that government planning cycles tend to be somewhat shorter, right, between election points. And so um, there's a bit of courage maybe that's required on the part of, of a municipality to to take that longer term view and to be willing to, you know, make the commitment, um, follow through on that. And um, I, I think to it's, it's easy to get um, down a bit of a rabbit hole with, well, we just don't have the resources to do this. We just, we can't do this. And, and that's true in many respects. But I think if we also take this longer term view, there's there's a cost to not looking at community issues in a, in a much broader or holistic way. And so it can be declining health of, of uh, people who live in communities. It can be, um, you know, a sense of, of isolation or lack of belonging. Um, and so if, if people are unhealthy, that creates costs down, down the longer term. Uh, if people don't feel like they belong, then they may look at moving. And so um, lots of those things, I, I think that um, they all tie together and it is just really stepping back and taking a much bigger picture view as council and, and uh, elected officials are meeting and discussing priorities to not just be thinking about, you know, what's what's important in the next year, but what's important for our community in the next 10 to 20 years. So it's it's definitely not going to happen overnight. And it's the whole idea too, that as you head down this pathway, that it's, it's a living um, document. It, it needs to be revisited. You need to be always connecting with your community because we live in a changing world and change is happening at a, at an incredible pace. So we need to keep up with that. And so again, these plans are very much living, evolving uh, plans. I love this question. I, I love that we could unpack it in, in such a, um, you know, comprehensive way, I'd like to say. That was all very interesting. I mean, I think one of the big things there was that first step is to really take a step back and have that holistic approach to take a look at how all of these things are interconnected and how that affects your municipality. So finding out what that looks like, what what is it that you need to bring in, whether it's um, bringing more people to your to your community or bringing in a hockey rink and then really just taking stock of what resources are available as well, whether it's um, businesses or nonprofits, who who is out there that can help, who has resources that we may not may not realize at first. Looking into the well-being community lens um, for planning purposes, what do you think would be required by municipalities to maintain these plans to keep them relevant? Uh, one of the things that you mentioned was that long-term planning, but are there other aspects as well? Talking to your communities, talking to this kind of the citizens in your in your municipality and understanding what the needs are. And as Ingrid has mentioned, you know, these community plans are not going to be kind of a, a set in stone document that then you can reference back, you know, 10 years later. It will be this kind of evolving living uh, plan, uh, which can, I guess, evolve and grow with the community input. So I I would stress this piece of really having those conversations with the communities, with the citizens, with, uh, you know, people to then figure out how to maintain those plans relevant. And they'll, and they'll be the best, um, um, you know, kind of guides in, in that regard, because 
uh, you know, th they know so much uh, as to what their challenges are, what 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 they're enjoying most, right, and and so forth. I think it's important um, to note that we're not suggesting that municipalities should just throw out everything that they're already doing, and and that this requires starting from scratch. It it really doesn't. It's it's more about um, just adding that additional lens when. Uh, communities are doing their planning and their budgeting. And, and so, for example, you know, an annual budget might include, well, we have to do some rink repairs to use rinks as an example. Um, and you can look at it just through this that lens of, well, how much is this going to cost us? But I, I think the additional lens is, what do rinks provide? They provide a place for community to come together. They provide a place for people to be physically active. Uh, they provide a place for someone operating a canteen to potentially, you know, as part of a business and supporting a local business. So it's it's just taking what's already happening and just broadening the view of it. Uh, and then to earlier points, who are also the partners in our community that can come together around some of this as well. When we talk about resources, it doesn't have to be just money as well. It can be, you know, what are what are some of the, the leadership skills and knowledge that uh, a community can tap into or where are some of the in-kind contributions that might be um, available to them as well to make some of this happen. So I'm afraid that people might run away scared because, oh my God, this is going to cost us money and, and we're starting all over and, and that's not it at all. It's just building on what, what municipalities are already doing. Yeah, and I think to build on it, it's acknowledging that there's some really good things happening at that municipal level. And I think also for, for people that are more interested in this too, that there, there are resources out there. There are other, other places around the world that are implementing this, this type of approach. And I know that one thing that struck me about um, some of the work that was going on in, in New Zealand, that if there were any new initiatives any new initiative had to go through this lens of what these value-based discussions were so that if you were going to build a new rink or, or whatever, why is it important? What, what, it, it's not just because of uh, the idea that it may attract tourism, but it, it's important to the youth in our community. It's important to seniors. It's But all those lenses, all of those value-based discussions that communities should be having with one another, come into play when one starts looking at why is it important for us to head it, head in new directions and and, and uh, come up with a new initiative, but having those things go through those lenses right off the get-go. So it isn't just about the, the cost effectiveness, but all these other pieces, because we have to examine it from a, yes, from the perspective of how much is this going to cost us, but how much might it cost us if we don't do this as well? I really like the point that you all made about how municipalities are probably already doing this in, in some ways. Some of them may already be applying that well-being lens to some of the projects that they're working on. And if they're not, it's it's just adding that, not necessarily adding a whole large um, portion of work or expanding on what they're already doing, going back and revisiting some of the things that they're working on to keep that living document um, updated and relevant. And then also the point about resources and how they're not just financial, they can come in all sorts of forms and to explore what what sorts of forms those those are. How do you think that this process would differ between the larger urban municipalities like the cities or the smaller ones like uh, towns, villages and resort villages? I think that in smaller communities, there's a higher de degree of adaptiveness 
because it's already occurring, they've had to adapt uh, as their communities have, have been shrinking and resources have shrunk. So, and again, it, it, it's just a, my perspective, but I, I, I think that in some smaller communities, the idea of, of, having, of needing to work together because it's something they've already had to do, that's critical that that uh, is a step in the right direction. Something that was mentioned uh, during your convention education session was that the next step in the process following the uh, the survey that was sent out was to begin some interviews. Have those interviews started? And would you be able to provide me a brief overview of what you're learning so far throughout this process? Thank you, Stephanie. That's a great question because about a week ago, we finally received an ethics approval for the interview. So they haven't started, but we do have the green light to go ahead and we've compiled a list of um, contacts that have expressed interest. And uh, then we have kind of other, um, you know, contacts that we're going to be reaching out to. So we are just beginning that process and we hope to report back perhaps the next SUMA convention or in some other ways um, back to municipalities in terms of what we're finding. Um, so, so that's that's where we are right now. We're just we're just starting that, and that's our plan for the summer months um, to be able to meet with municipalities or municipal representatives and talk about some of you know have those kind of deeper conversations because there's so much you can do in a survey, but when you actually meet with people, you can learn so much more. Well, I know us at SUMA will definitely be following along and I look forward to seeing what some of the results of those interviews are because uh, so far it's been a very interesting process and it's been really eye-opening into uh, what municipalities are already doing and what they're what they're looking to be doing as well. That brings me to the end of the questions for today. Is there anything else that you would like to speak to that we didn't have a chance to cover during our interview? Uh, the only thing I would suggest is that there, there is a website, saskwellbeing.ca where we uh, have been curating and posting a number of different resources related to well-being. Um, so we would certainly encourage people to visit the website. You can also sign up to receive our, our e-news or follow us on social medias. And, and there just seems to be um, like every day we're coming across more and more work uh, that's happening around well-being economies around the globe. And so we're sharing those. There's webinars, there's tools, there's resources, there's uh, examples of what other uh, communities and regions have been doing. And so people are interested. I think it's a great starting place to find some additional resources. And, and what we're finding in our project, it also goes on the website. Um, so municipalities can, can have access to that information as well. So it's kind of all encompassing. Um, so yes, I, I'd encourage checking out that website because it has all of that information. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ingrid, Tracy, and Irina. This was a very engaging conversation, and I'm really looking forward to our members tuning in and listening. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This brings us to the end of another episode of MuniCast. Stay tuned for Season 5, beginning in July 2023.